You're listening to the Ambition Incubator podcast, and I'm your host, Deirdre Morrison. Creativity is something that we all need, use, and indeed have in spades, but we don't always appreciate it or know how to encourage it. In this occasional series of conversations, I'm talking to creative professionals, people who get paid to provide creativity on tap, and people who've been able to remain creatively successful over the course of their careers. We'll talk about the highs and lows of this kind of work, try to disentangle their secrets for success, and find out whether Steve Jobs was right when he said that real artists ship. Today's creative pro is Jill R. Stevens. She's the sort of person whose work you've probably read, but it's unlikely you'll know it. That's because Jill is what's known as a ghostwriter, and a highly sought-after one at that. She's been producing the goods for others for more than two decades. But now she's finally coming out of the creative closet to pen a book in her own name. And in an interesting move, rather than trade on her established reputation with publishers, Jill has decided to encourage other writers by self-publishing this book so that she can better help them to tap into their own storytelling potential. In this episode, I'll be asking Jill if deadlines are sacrosanct, how she kept coming up with the goods year in, year out, and why now to start writing in her own name and why this book to start with. Jill. It is so good to be talking to you. And I am really, really pleased to have you here because I definitely want to dig into your creative brain and see if we can get any closer to some answers on on this matter. (laughs) How are you today? I'm so excited to be here. I am wonderful. I'm really excited to be here and talk about anything creative. That's my jam. (laughs) Excellent. So, right, let's, let's start first of all with the fact that you've been at this for quite some time. How long have you been a writer, Jill? Uh, For real? Mm. (laughs) I wrote my first 100-page story in sixth grade. In sixth grade, right. So I was 12 years old when I wrote my first 100 pages. So I think you could probably call me a writer back then, but I first published a piece when I was 17 in a magazine. Actually, it was a leading men's magazine, and I had to lie about my age. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, great. Um, a rule a little breaker. Bit naughty. Yeah, a rule breaker, but quietly. So nobody knew, which is kind of my whole creative career has been quietly. So it's, you know, I'm in my 40s now, not afraid to say it. So it's been a while, like more than two decades going on three decades as a writer, which is crazy to think about. So it is sometimes you just know what you are. But I, I just love that little connection of the the quiet rule breaker there, because you have you've actually built a career on writing for other people and making them look good. Is that a fair way of putting it? Yeah, I guess I did make them look good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've been a ghostwriter or a collaborator, but always kind of behind the scenes, behind the curtain, you know, that yeah. Wizard of Oz, but always like snickering in the background a little bit. So I think, yeah, I've been the the it's almost like the sheep in wet bull's clothing. Is that what we say? And, um, you know, the good girl, I'm the joyful and happy, but inside I'm like, hee hee, delicious secret. <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess, you know, that, that is, it's a very privileged position I suppose to be in as well as anything else. Um, but there, there must be something about using all that creativity and never really being seen. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for you? 
You know, it's it's wonderful that you asked this question because that's probably what I've been diving into the last couple of years. Well, not probably. It is what I've been diving into because sometimes when we learn things about ourselves, we have a tendency to make it wrong or bad. And then we work through the process and realize, oh, no, it was just maybe there to serve me. So hiding in plain sight or being this closeted creative, if you will, um, writing for other people or writing under pseudonyms, fake names for myself, it really served me. It gave me that like literally delicious little secret that I could just enjoy. And I got to just do whatever I wanted to do quietly. Um, I've never wanted fame. I've never wanted to be known. So it, it was a protection mechanism as well. So it's not right or wrong, good or bad. It's just how it all, my story unfolded. And now it's time to step out, obviously, because I'm here with you <laughs> and share me. Strangely enough, not just my words behind the scenes, but me as I write my words. And that's what I'm doing right now because mm. I just wrote my first book that will be released in my name, which mm. is very strange to say because it's not my first book, but it really feels like my first book. Yeah. Very strange. So what was the point at which you thought, you know what, I need to do this for me. I need to be the person that people actually recognize as having written these words. You know, I don't think it's ever been about recognition for me, like that moment of fame or in the spotlight, or I really kind of shy away. I had somebody fangirl me once for something different. I was the education lady and I had a whole tutoring business and somebody knew that brand and they recognized my voice. And that fangirl moment freaked me the hell out. (laughs) Excuse me, but it really did. (laughs) And I ran really quick to my hotel room. So Um, It's never really been about recognition. However, I think that's a natural need that humans, most humans have, is they want to be recognized for the work done. So on some level, yes, it is there, of course. But it's more like there was always that twinge in the back of my mind of one step forward, two steps back. Hmm. Put one toe in and say, maybe I should do this, but then pull it back and move back a couple feet. So I knew I was hiding. I knew I was protecting myself or something. I knew I wanted more and I didn't quite know why, which I think this resonates with people. I think a lot of people feel this way that they start down a path, but then they retreat. Hmm. And that's what I kept doing. And if I hadn't kept doing that, then I probably wouldn't have pursued it. But for the last probably 10 years, I've literally been, okay, let's do this. And then I stop let's come out of the closet. And then I stop. So it was time to just like break down the damn closet. (laughs) Well, let let me ask you this then. Was there something about this particular story and this particular book? I'm just trying to work out, is it a case that the, the story that you're telling now and the book that you're writing now is actually part of the catalyst for breaking down the closet? Or is it a case that, you know, there's this has always been the same story and it's just taken this long to gain critical mass to actually tell it? Oh my goodness. Such a good question. You know, this story, this story is the breaking down of the closet. This story is, it started out as, I don't want anything personal in this book. I don't want any. And then it all of a sudden was like, well, there's no stories in this book. There's nothing like, 
you know, personal. And my editor knows we've worked closely with it. And she's like, it's so funny to go from when we started to where we are now or toward the end of wrapping up. This book is like a series of essays of vignettes, if you will. I kept saying that it needs more stories. It needs more splashes of me, if you will. It's not a memoir. However, it's basically telling, sharing lessons. So the book is called Create Your Most Delicious Life, Mm -hmm. which personally is something I've done. Life's a bitch, especially now. Make it a joy. Mm -hmm. And joy has always been my default setting. So even when life goes, you know. Kaplooey? Yes, that. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, you have a raw sewage flood in your home and you want to scream, you know, which I'm going through right now. Not here, thankfully, but (laughs) it's still, you know, even when life doesn't go your way, you can still find moments of joy. You can still lead a delicious life. And that's kind of what this book is about. So is it the story of coming out, breaking down the closet? Yeah, actually it is. And I didn't intend for it to be that. It just kind of morphed into that, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Oh, it does. It totally does. Um, It's it's almost like, um, obviously, I I talk to a lot of people who are going on that same journey, but from very different perspectives. You know, they're starting their thing and their thing is not necessarily a book, but it's finding those kind of pieces that actually are them to put in place that then becomes the thing that comes out. <laughs> that's a that's a very roundabout way of saying it. But um, I think that a lot of people are searching for that golden thread to string the pearls on. I think so. And forgive the truck that just went by. But I think what's so interesting is people always look for that golden thread, as you called it, which I love that. That's, you know, I was just I have, I'm editing or I'm in the final revisions for the book. And I just read a story, which is pulling threads or a, a whole, a whole section or part of the book. So it just kind of reminded me of that, but I don't think the golden thread exists on its own. I think the golden thread is really the next step. The next step, a piece of it's revealed simply because we're taking a step forward. If you take a step forward every single day at the end of a year, you've got at least 365 steps you've taken. And that's a long way. And if it's a leap year, you'll have a whole extra step, you know, and that's magical. Yeah. <laughs> and if you stumble a few days and forget to step, then you have a, you know, 360. It doesn't matter as long as you didn't turn in circles, which so many people do because they're looking for that golden thread mm. or that magical way of, you know, what's my passion? What's my dharma? What's my purpose? What's my karma? Whatever you want to call it. And it's like the only way, it's not something that's like, ta-da, you know, it's just, it finds you as you move. It's kind of like the old proverb, um, when you pray, move your feet. It's like, just don't sit there and pray. You got to move your feet. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Um, Jill, I'd like to ask you about being creative over the long haul. I mean, that's got to be something that you've obviously had people employ you to perform creativity for them, to be that for them. What what would you describe as the highs and lows of being in that position for someone? Wow. I mean, that's a, it's a good question because, so when I collaborate with someone, my role, my responsibility is to find their voice, to find what it is they have to say and to 
shape their story or their information, if you will, and really mold it into something that's fun to read, interesting to read, exciting to read. So I think the process of doing that, I've just always found joy in because not everybody is a writer, just like not everybody is a brain surgeon or not everybody is a pilot or so while I want to get in a plane, I'm not going to fly it. (laughs) So I have to trust the person who's going to fly it for me. Mm. Just like if I needed heart surgery, I'm going to trust the person who's going to open me up and, you know, work with my baby heart. Mm. And so I'm that creative person. And I just whip out that purple pen because everything starts with a purple pen for me. (laughs) And I just go to town. Like literally, I just, my job in the past as a ghostwriter has been to bring their voice to life through words, Mm. through the written word. And, um, you know, when I take it seriously, but at the same time, I take it lightly Yeah, because nothing in life can be taken too seriously. Otherwise it gets heavy. And when, you know, my mentor says, when you're heavy, you cannot fly. And I love that. And it always reminds me, it's like, Ooh, shed the heavy or you can't fly. And I have to be able to fly in order for somebody else's words to fly and to soar and to really reach the masses, which is the point of ghostwriting books for the people that I have in the past. Mm. Yeah, I love that, Jill. I think that's um, that's so true of so many things, isn't it? That, you know, if if we are basically taking things so seriously and only seeing the um, the responsibilities and the the difficulties and the obstacles, then it does become um, it, it wears us. That's for sure. And it it's definitely a great way to sap creativity because mm. Creativity is all about flow. It's all about allowing. And actually, life is all about flow. It's all about allowing. You know, if we look at nature and we look at the tides, if we look at the sea, it's all about ebb and flow, allowing the change to come, allowing a new change to go. You know, and we don't grab onto the seasons and say, I mean, sometimes we do, I don't want winter to come or please spring. (laughs) You know, sometimes we do grip it, but at the same time, we can't control it. So I think it's the same thing with allowing what's with, if you want to write or if you want to be creative, I get so often, where do I start? Mm. And the key is you just start pen to paper, set a timer, 11 minutes, write. That's it. Mm doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be structured. I was sitting at dinner last night and this, this great guy, Bob, he comes over to my table and he says, I have a book to write. I think I have a story to write. (laughs) If I had a dime for every person or a piece of sterling or whatever, (laughs) a cougaran (laughs) for every time somebody said that to me, when they find out I'm a writer, I would be very wealthy. But I think it's fabulous that he said that. And he's like, and I, my, he's, he, so he looks at me and the look is what advice do you have to give me? Obviously mm. like, and I said, don't worry about structure. Just start writing. Yeah. And he's like, I really, and see the goat, the baby goat approves of that. Don't worry <laughs> about structure. Just start writing. And he's like, I like that. 
don't worry. I said, yes, just allow it to unfold. And I think that goes back to anything you say when people are seeking and looking for that golden thread. When we're looking for something, kind of like your car keys when you lose them, we never (laughs) find them. See, baby, go to Greece. (laughs) Um, I'll just throw in here so that that people know Jill lives with quite a few goats um, and they are the most fun things that you will ever see on four legs. (laughs) And they're outside. I don't live like with them. With them, with them, yeah, with, with, you know, majority of the property. But yes, yes, I have started to, strangely enough, rescue baby goats. And it's become this passion, hobby, something. I'm not sure what, but mm-hmm. I'm up to 10 goats, a dog, random chickens and hens, a rabbit and two kittens came this week. <laughs> okay, well, t- tell me this then, because um, I grew up in something that sounds not too dislike that. And I... I actually feel that having those connections has has really formed part of my creativity. Absolutely. <laughs> Would you associate? Oh, my goodness, yes. Watching, you know, if you want to jumpstart your creativity, in my humble opinion, slow down. Mm. Watch an animal. Mm-hmm. Watch the sunset watch the sky. It's not about doing more. It's not about racing to where's my creativity. What am I going to write? It's not about, it's about release it all, release that tension. When I sat and started to watch these goats that were just wild goats, it was like, it was amazing because it was so incredibly interesting that a baby goat would be screaming and bawling and the goats, mama goats, male goats, every, all these goats wouldn't pay any attention to it. And then all of a sudden a goat would come running and it was the mama goat and the mama goat knows the baby goats cry. And the other mama goats are like, doesn't phase me. Not mine. <laughs> so I learned so much about characteristics. I learned so much about allowing and releasing. And I think that has definitely opened up my creativity and definitely allowed so much to flow through me. Mm. And I've always said that I am the conduit for which the words to flow through, that I don't own my stories. I don't own my writing. Um, I don't own this creativity. It was something that was gifted to me. And yet with any, like with any anything of value, anything, any skill that you have, if we don't use it, it will go away. So Mm -hmm. it is my job to grow it. It is my job to um, cultivate it. It is my job to expand it. It is my job to use it daily. And so that's what I do. And yes, the animals have opened me up to that greatly. Mm. So what I was going to ask you, Jill, is um, about the difference between writing for somebody else who has contracted you to perform a piece of work and writing for yourself. Um, Now, obviously, when you are writing to somebody else's deadlines, they are maybe a little bit more firm. Do do you have any thoughts on the idea that, you know, the Steve Jobs quote that real artists ship? Is that just something that is part of your creative professionalism or is it something that you find yourself having a little bit more wriggle room with if it's for you rather than for someone else? How does that go? Okay. So this is fascinating because this book that I'm writing, so I've written, I've been, yes, contracted to ghostwrite for other people or collaborate with other people. I've written 
fiction, nonfiction for myself, but under pseudonyms and contractually like kept myself secret, hidden, whatever. Um, and now I am writing for myself, but publishing as me for the first time. And now as me publishing for the first time, it's almost like it's book number one. And it's the first time I've ever missed a deadline. (laughs) Lots of stories, juicy stories coming up for me with this. It's, and that's what the whole book is about, literally. Like creating your most delicious life is all about the stories we tell ourselves and the stories run our lives, mm-hmm. run how our brains work and what we think, what we believe, what we say, and what we, you know, the life we live. And when you start telling joyful, delicious stories, then your life becomes joyful. But when you tell crap stories or, you know, I don't know if I should do this, I don't know if I can do this, I don't, you know, then that's what's going to come. That's what you're creating in your life. So while I've always, I've been very fortunate in that even ghostwriting for other people, I'm the professional, Mm. I'm the writer. So it's not about like I'm meeting deadlines for them or it's almost like they need to get on board my train (laughs) (laughs) because it's time to go, right? It's time, you know, you've now brought me on board to help you. And it's amazing how often that will stop somebody because, you know, when you want to, you think you want to write a book, but then there's, you have to now open yourself up to a stranger and you have to talk to me and you have to share and I'm going to dive deep. And if you give me just a little golden thread, I'm going to pull on that sucker Mm. because that's where the meat is. That's where the salt is that you don't want me to, to get into, but that's also where the story is. And that's where the interest is going to be. And that thing that hurts just a little bit is actually what people need to hear about because that's what makes you real and vulnerable. And so like literally my purple pen was more in charge of deadlines and structuring the work and all because they were hiring an expert, if you will. Mm -hmm. So I've never missed a deadline until now. It's almost like in writing as me, I've gone back to the starting line Mm. and it's almost like all the other books before don't matter. And not only am I going back or felt, feel like I'm going back because you can never go back. I'm not the same person I was when I started 17 publishing for a men's magazine, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but seriously, um, but it's almost like starting over and it's, you know, in a lot of women in their forties or fifties, even sixties, maybe even thirties. Now they're starting their lives over at some point. We all go through this reboot mm. and I think this book will speak to people about that as well. And not only am I doing it starting from scratch and putting my name on this work, so therefore it's going to be how I want it to be, I've chosen to self-publish it Mm. instead of going with publishing houses that I have relationships with. Yeah, exactly. You've got that backup and you're choosing to maverick. (laughs) Yeah, because I think it's important to model what other people can do. Yeah. Like, even though, yes, I'm a professional over here, over here, I'm not, I'm Mm. just like you, you have a book you want to write. Well, you can either keep saying you have a book you want to write and keep telling the story that one day when I have time, I'll write that book. 
or you can just start. Oh my gosh. 11 minutes today, pen to paper. You have literally just described a friend of mine. I'm, I'm just going to have to send her your way. <laughs> <laughs> but there's so many, I truly, truly believe that everybody has a story. Literally, because mm-hmm. we all have a story, many stories, some of us. And does it need to be told? That's up to you. Mm. Does it need to be heard by one person, 10 people, a thousand, a million? That's up to the people who pick it up. But if you never start, how will you ever know? Mm. So this time, your first book, Jill. <laughs> <laughs> your first first book as well. your first reboot book <laughs> so it's it's not i mean i i know that what i've written of or sorry what i've read of yours uh, rather has been absolutely beautiful and lyrical um so it sounds like you're going a little bit technical on us for this book is that is is that right not i mean not really te- no actually this book like we're in formatting right now and so I just got formatted pages back. And these are, I mean, you could call them galleys, if you will. So it's a PDF. Everything's digital now. But I'm going through. And my structure is definitely very lyrical. Suddenly, mm. my words, my choice of languaging is very almost musical. You could almost put music to it. So spacing matters. Mm. Stanzas matter. It's You could call it poetic. Mm. But at the same time, there is, I'll give you that, there is a technical aspect of this book because I felt that it needed to be an inductive experience because that's how we learn best. When we read something and then just put it on a shelf and forget about it, you know, it blew our mind or whatever, but then we forget about it last the next week or two months later, and it just starts to collect dust. Mm -hmm. That doesn't help you. A book that is going to give you an interactive experience or an inductive learning experience, kind of like that cooktop where it just like all of a sudden it's hot, you know, induction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is the technical piece. So in the book, I have what what I call purple pen practices. Say that three times really fast. <laughs> and, you know, you can write your own stories. And the book is all about stories, the stories we tell. Mm. And if you really want to create your most delicious life, it's beginning to unravel that story of, you know, waiting for that golden thread or waiting for somebody to come rescue you or waiting for your life to get better. No, no, no. Make it better. Tell a new story. And so the technical, if you will, aspect is the ability for the reader to actually engage and to become one with the book and to really read it, but also embody the message that I'm giving. Oh, So, and I went above and beyond because that's what I do. I mean, there's a PDF download for free and formatting that next. And, you know, it's just, I'm crazy, but I'd love to be crazy and creative. And I think that's, what's important is there's no, when you're creative, it really is about coloring outside the lines. Yeah. Yeah. And don't let anybody determine the lines because the lines are, who said there's even a line? Exactly. What box? (laughs) Jill, look, exactly. thank you so much for sharing that with us. And I I really think that this book is um, probably for more people than just those people who want to write a book. So it's it seems like um, a lot of people should maybe look at this as a way of coming at something from that lyrical and joyous perspective um, rather than the, the, the quantitative 
uh, life view that so many people seem to have at the moment. Yeah, definitely. I think if you aren't happy in your life, then pick up the book for a minute, read a couple pages and see if it will resonate with you. If you want more joy in your life, if just there's something missing or you're always seeking, this might be a book that will benefit you. If you want to learn how to tell new stories Mm -hmm. and really, you know, get on a train to a new way of living your life and having a great life, then maybe this book will help you. So just imagine a book, you know, you can get lost in the pages. That's always fun. That is beautiful, Jill. Thank you so much. Um, As always, we will, of course, have all the links in the show notes and you can check those out and find out more about Jill and her book and probably even her goats. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Jill, thank you again. I will see you on the other side. Thank you for having me. This was wonderful. Appreciate you. You're still here? Great. Look, I know there's a lot to choose from out there, so thanks for flying with Ambition Incubator Airlines, and I look forward to seeing you on board again soon. Seriously, though, thank you for tuning in. My guests and I love hearing about what inspires you on the show and what advice has made a difference in your life or work and what you'd like more of. So get in touch. If you want to know about my other work, head over to ambitionincubator.com for details. And don't forget to hit subscribe for more great interviews, advice, and bite-sized brain science every week.